And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. You know, Aaron, um, last time on the show, um, and the previous part of uh, the podcast, uh, we ended on a note of family, um, like you do on Star Trek. Uh-huh. Um, and we, what better way to start off this next section of the podcast also by um, some, by looking at family. Nice. Um, last time we asked the question, what exactly is family? This is going to be a very similar question, um, but I'll be curious to hear your answer. Um, what exactly is brotherhood? Oh, it invokes, I mean, not so much in this moment, but it has for me in the past invoked primal feelings of like manliness, mm. masculinity, brotherhood. We are together. Like being on a, a sports team or something, that feeling of a brotherhood. The brotherhood of man. Yeah. And what exactly is that? Like brotherhood of man. Is that just the dudes or is there a larger use of the term there? I always wondered like, what is brotherhood of man? It seems to, it seem, they seem to be talking about humanity, but I'm like, it seems a very specific <laughs> way to address humanity. A brotherhood. I never had a brother growing up. Mm. So I can't attest to that aspect of it. Mm. Well, I wonder if um, Star Trek will have anything to say on this. It usually has something to say. I don't think so. Okay. Well, well let's call it. Thanks, everyone. Let's watch something else. <laughs> um, no. Welcome to Star Trek. I'm just joking. <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek Stories, everyone. Um, episode 34, Brothers. Aptly, aptly titled for our question of the day. Um... Yes, welcome to Star Trek Stories, everyone. I am your prodigious host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my gorgeous co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. I'm not looking gorgeous. No. Once again, in my, I've got a bee's uh, hat, black and yellow. I've got a Ute shirt, bright red, and then I have Adidas shorts, which are blue. I'm all the colors. You may not have noticed everyone at home, but we tend to exaggerate a bit on this show. Yeah, so when he says gorgeous... Mm-mm. Oh, I'm, a sight. <laughs> I'm a sight to behold. Uh, it's it's just to give you guys a positive impression of us, but yeah, yeah there's a reason why we're a podcast and not a video show. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I have to actually give a fuck? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, welcome back, Aaron, and welcome back, everyone. Um, this is the beginning of our look at the TNG glory years, um, part four of our 100 episode list. Um, yes, the TNG Glorious. This is that magical time from 1990 to 1992 when TNG was at the height of its creative powers and popularity. Um, and we're going to be starting with season four. We got a lot of um, TNG coming down the way, so buckle up, everyone. Um, and to celebrate um, the beginning of this um, part four, the TNG Glory Years, we have a returning guest with us back on the show in the captain's chair. Mark Nelson is back on the show with us, everyone. <laughs> That's supposed to be crowds cheering for me. We Where I go, every, everywhere I go on my head, there's just always crowds cheering for Mark, me. Mark, Mark, You truly are the Mark, main character. Mark. Which is which is why I want to start off by saying I in fact am looking beautiful today. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's one of those like my beauty is more one of those like more like 
indefinable inner beauty sort of things mm-hmm. going on, you know? In- ineffable. Mark yeah. is ineffably beautiful. Like, I'm constantly the person who's like, <laughs> that guy? Like, oh, you got to get to meet him first. Yeah, yeah. Give it time. <laughs> on the, beautiful on the inside. So, so, so beautiful on the inside. Hot on the inside. He may have you rolled. look like a hot, sweaty mess on the out. <laughs> he rolled a natural 20 in charisma. Uh, uh, Mark, last time you were on the show, we watched Data Law. Data Law. Chew. <laughs> oh my God, Data oh, Law. Terrible. Yes. Um, I love that episode. I'm not gonna lie. Wild ride for those wild who, ride. who weren't there. That's the one where Data's evil twin brother Laura shows up for some shenanigans. <laughs> it's it it uh, that episode kicked off me like finally starting Next Generation. Yes, this is you what, know what I'm gonna do it. This, yeah. is, this is what I wanted to ask you about. So, yeah, you and Marquet came over. We had a brunch. We watched Data Lore. We had a wild time. And you had such a good time. Um, I think we all said, like, this isn't necessarily, like, a great episode. No. But a hugely enjoyable episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then you said after, we're like, hey, I, I started. I yeah. started watching. And I was like, oh, buckle up, buckaroo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, w- I wanted to. You're still like in season three ish or somewhere. Yeah, so you're still yeah, going still, through still it. Still in season three. I was powering through, just like you know, binge watching, and then Adriana, my lovely and beautiful life partner, started watching it with me, and so it became a show that we watched together. And unfortunately, because of that, I had to slow my roll on it a little bit. But we, we're still, we're still, we're still plucking our way through it, and still loving every second of it. So, so let me ask you, Mark. Now that because we talked about this before, you're that rare hardcore fan who basically has seen most of everything except for TNG, with some exceptions. Um, now that you're going through it, what, what's it like? I mean, with at least what you've seen, like the impressions of watching Next Generation. It's it's so good and. I mean, those first two seasons, I thought that I was going to like cringe hate, watch my way through. That's what kept you from watching it for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the cringe was absolutely there. But what I didn't expect was I cringe loved watched those first two seasons. I just I couldn't get enough. Even the worst episodes like. I just had so much fun watching and I think a lot of that can't, comes back to the fact that those first two seasons feel so nostalgic towards mm-hmm. the original series, which, mm-hmm. you know, when you watch the original series, you kind of know what you're getting into. It was filmed in the 60s. Um, I mean, and it, again, the original series has fantastic episodes, some great writing. Um, but, you know, sometimes they fall into like these funny little tropes and the first two seasons of Next Generation do that as well. And it just, it made me happy as opposed to making me embarrassed or like sad or angry. Although I will say this, I am having this experience being, having full access to the entire next generation uh, series. You can just go through it. I can just go through it. Now, if I was a, an original series fan who had been waiting years, decades, Mm -hmm. decades for the next generation to come out. And those were the first two seasons. I can, I can, I can see myself being like, "Why the hell did we wait? Why did we like?" Argh! Like, I can see why people probably got frustrated with it. Um, but 
So I honestly think the way that I'm doing it is the, is the superior way to watch. Mm. <laughs> Become a Star Trek fan. Then watch everything else, and then go back and watch the next generation. And our and part three of the podcast was mostly season three, even though we got a little bit of two and four. Um, and we kind of looked at it as like we called it the TNG Renaissance. Uh, would you say that's an apt description of that uh, period of time? Absolutely, yeah. uh, absolutely. Um, it really there really is a transformation. Um, and especially I think one of the biggest things that I noticed was uh Brent Spiner. Is it Spiner or mm-hmm. Spiner? Spiner. Spiner. Um his portrayal as data, it was always really good. Even in the first two seasons, I really enjoyed it, even though he had some weird moments. But season three, they really start to flesh out and develop his character and his view of the world and I th- that's probably my favorite part mm. of the crossover is, and, and it's, they do do it with a lot of the other um, characters as well. Well, I mean, they do they do it with every other character, but it's uh, Data's mm. story that really I find the most intriguing. He almost feels like, you know, like when you're reading a story, you see the story develop through this perspective of a certain character or a group of certain characters, but there's always that one character who it's like, the emphasis is on or and it's not even necessarily the one that the author may have intended for you to follow but it's the one that you identify with that's often how i feel about with data because he does feel so fresh-faced and new and naive but mm. but he's you know he, he's got a naivete that's not dangerous no not generally and no. and and, gen- and i think it, it more comes down to he's just genuinely curious good and bad they don't necessarily like it's not something that he's really struggling over. I don't feel like not generally. No, it's, it's more about a curiosity of all things. And a lot of the characters have that same mentality, but I feel like it shines really obviously with data. Mm. Um, Yeah. As the show goes on, he does kind of become like the heart, like in soul of the show, even if it's not the data show, Um, he kind of like is the poster child for like everything that show is about and stands for uh but like you said they kind of do that with everyone everyone kind of starts to get fleshed out and uh and one thing we talked about um in the last section is one thing that they really kind of hone in on is the show really becomes about the family of characters it's very plot heavy in the beginning and very theme heavy in the beginning with like the the thing to learn the message but as the show goes on that's still there but it's much more how these characters see it and how it kind of, I don't know, fleshes them out a little bit more as like as people dealing with this stuff rather than just looking at it from a more philosophical point of view. So with this idea of family, uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, um, I don't know, what do you what do you think brotherhood is um, on a bro- on a broader sense? You know, it's interesting. Sometimes I. Like with the concept of brotherhood, I I understand it, I do, but oftentimes I can't help myself from seeing like the negative connotation side of of words like that. There, and it's not even necessarily about it being exclusionary. It's more about like the gatekeepery thing. So it's like like when we're talking about a brotherhood, like oftentimes when people associate or like think of themselves as like, oh, I'm part of this brotherhood. And everybody who isn't is not. And 
you know, like stay away from us or, or it's not even like stay away from us, but like you're not part of the group. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely detest that entire mentality, whether or not it's your like whether or not that exclusionary attitude that you have is more like uh, misogyny driven or driven by racial bigotry or some it, kind to, of ideology. To, right. To me, it doesn't matter. I don't I don't think we should try to put ourselves into groups that exclude everybody else. Mm. Um because that's what we have always done from the beginning of human humankind. And I know people will say like humans are tribal creatures. Humans are tribal creatures. You, you get in your tribe and you're like, want to protect your tribe. And, and of course everybody knows what it feels like to, to be in that situation. There's like people that you would, you would die for people, you know, sometimes people that you would kill for if the situation came down to it. I totally understand having that, but society needs to be better than the individual itself. Mm. And creating pockets of groups that exclude other people because of bullshit reasons is not healthy or conducive to a growing society. It's not going to help us in the long run. So I hear words like brotherhood and I just think, ugh. Mm. Like, how about just a everybody hood? Mm. Like, why don't we just make the whole planet the hood, you know? <laughs> Earth hood. Hell yeah. Um all right, well, we'll see if Star Trek has anything to say on brotherhood. Um, because we, of course, are watching Brothers today. This um, premiered October 8th, 1990. Um, this is the third episode produced for the fourth season. On a meta level, this episode isn't just a data episode. This is arguably the Brent Spiner um episode i think in some markets they actually uh titled this the brent spiner character showcase hour and that's gonna be the other big thing we look at in this one which i think will be interesting as we all have a background in acting as well um and now we're podcasters (laughs) how hard can you fail at life when you're (laughs) trying to be an actor well you end up making a star trek podcast fuck me Fuck me. Holy shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you show up expecting to do a Star Trek podcast <laughs> and you stay because you just get roasted so hard that <laughs> there's no other choice but to pretend. I promise uh, I'm beautiful on the inside. <laughs> 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 oh, Jeebus Christ. Oh, I'm so, so sorry, funny. everybody. <laughs> All right, for those of you at home who are watching with us, Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 4, Episode 3, and we will be back after we watch Brothers.
Lord told me the colonists envied him because you made him so completely human. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly have used the word envious, Data. You disassembled me. You took me apart. Lore also told me that the colonists petitioned you to replace him with a less perfect android. Uh, the last thing you should think of yourself as, Data, is less perfect. The two of you are virtually identical, except for a bit of programming. It was a lie. Another lie. Would have proven myself worthy to you if you'd just given me a chance. But it was easier just to turn your back and build your precious data. You were the first. You meant as much to me as data ever did. But you were unstable. The colonists were not envious of you. They were afraid of you. You were unstable. I am not less perfect than Lore. Why didn't you just fix me? It was within your power to fix me. It wasn't as easy as that. The next, the next logical step was to construct data afterward. I plan to get back to you, to, to fix you. Next logical step. I am not less perfect than Lore. I am not less perfect than Lore. Enough! Both of you, sit down. Well, we just got done watching Brothers. Um, in case you haven't seen this one before, um, didn't watch it with us. So what happens in this one is Data freaks the fuck out and hijacks the Enterprise and takes it to a, a planet where he beams down and it's revealed that his creator, Dr. Noonien Soong, is on the planet and basically initiated like a homing program in Data. Played by Brent Spiner. Also played by Brent Spiner. Um, and things get uh, dicey when his evil twin brother, Lore, shows back up again. Also played by Brent Spiner. <laughs> also played by Brent Spiner. Um, it's revealed that um, basically what in the end, uh, Dr. Soong summoned Data because he has an emotion chip for him. Did not know Lore was... Uh, up and walking about Laura basically double crosses both of them kills Dr. Soong steals the emotion chip and gets away while uh, Data has one last moment with his creator um, and meanwhile uh, on the Enterprise there are a couple of brothers one brother played a prank which led to a tragic thing where the other brother was got infected and is now dying and the crew of the Enterprise is trying to figure out what's going on and get Data so they can get this kid the help he needs uh, we always start with initial thoughts, Mark. Um, initial thoughts coming yeah, I after just, brothers. I, I just for first, I, it's, I've been made aware that I should probably apologize to all of the actors who are listening to this podcast about my previous song. <laughs> the podcasters who have a Star Trek podcast, yeah, uh, 
people who've so, been on this specifically podcast. Specifically people who are trained as actors who now have a Star Trek podcast. Apparently, I owe an apology to anyone who's listening. <laughs> Star Trek stories. I'd like to apologize to all Star Trek podcasters, uh, former actors everywhere. Okay. Uh, well, if those, if those people, if they happen to be out there listening, I'm sure they would love to hear that apology. Uh, I'm, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know who you're referring to. But... Uh, uh, well, you know, Mark, you know, there's the final moment in this episode is it seems the brothers have re- re- reconciled the differences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're brothers. Brothers forgive. Not always. <laughs> not always. Not, not always. Oh, <laughs> my day. But not so always. Funny. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just joking around. I actually really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was... Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like the best episode I've seen so far. Sure. Uh, but Brent Spiner mm-hmm. is very good mm-hmm. the whole time. I mean, literally half of the episode is him alone playing three different characters in the same room. Yeah. And he does quite a good job to the point where like they do feel very different from one another. You don't even really think about it. No. No. Like... It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, and there's lore. And you don't really even think about the fact that it's Brent Spiner who's acting against himself and doing it wonderfully. Yeah, the I is am very not clever. less perfect than lore. I am not less perfect than that. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, they sometimes do this kind of like, it's Star Trek, so every once in a while, like, some character has to play against themselves, and they do, like, the split-screen you know, trick, but I think, is this the, this might be the only time where like they do it with like th- an actor has to do it like with three characters yeah. all in, that has got to be some trying to keep th- that all straight. Mm-hmm. That that's going to be a really interesting acting challenge. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that really impressed me too, was the, the old man, the Dr. Soon character that he was playing, uh, was like old kind of, you know, not very mobile and was very much hunched over. Uh, a lot shorter than lore and data. Mm-hmm. And so I was like specifically looking for it and throughout the episode, but no, he did such a good job of always having his like eyes when he was playing Dr. Soong uh, and talking to either data or low or lore. Uh, he did such a good job of just always putting his gaze in the perfect spot that it's just like, there was no question that the other person was standing in that room and having that conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Really impressive work. Yeah, I agree. Um, Aaron, initial thoughts coming on from Brothers. Gosh, I feel like Mark pretty much nailed it all. Summed up your thoughts. Yeah, summed up all the thoughts. You took all the thoughts. I just, I, I, all the thoughts that you could possibly have about this episode. All done. Yeah, it's kind of a fun place to start. Like, this one really shows you. It's like, oh, man, Data is, I mean, he's like, you, you could argue that Data is the most trusted crew member. But then this episode shows it's like if if he goes off the rail, though, it's like they are completely helpless. Like he single handedly just shuts every and no matter what they do to try to stop him or do anything, they are like they are completely out of their league. Like they have no chance against him. The whole crew has no chance against him. It's pretty wild when you think about it and how quickly and effectively he takes over the ship and just shuts everything down. The the cascading force field 
when he's walking down to the transporter room and it's just like literally like the path in front of him and the path behind him is just like well he he's got like a small pocket that he can walk through and no matter where he walks the force field like fills in the gaps behind him and just nobody can get through also interesting from a it's a really fun way to start the episode when you, especially when you have no idea like what the fuck's happening um because uh, the rest of the episode is not in action. It's kind of an interesting kind of pacing where it's like the front bit is front loaded with all the action. Uh, and then the payoff is all this basically like family drama and dialogue afterward. Um, whereas, you know, usually you'd think, you know, in terms of pacing all the action, you build up to the action. But it's it's flipped here where uh, the action at the, is front loaded at the beginning and sets up. The, the what the real conflict and drama is later kind of interesting pacing wise um and the crew really kind of takes a back seat after this moment mm-hmm. yeah it can kind of make sense sense because in the episode previous family data is not in it at all and it makes sense where it's like oh because he's so such the focus in this one um he probably just requested a vacation day guys come on i just need a day off I bet you it was like getting set up for this episode. Like he's doing three. It's like triple the workload. He's doing yeah. three parts. He's yeah. got to pr- do prep for that shit. Especially that old per- like person makeup. Cause that was like practical makeup and not like, mm-hmm. you know, CGI how they do it nowadays. Um, so I'm, I'm sure he was in the chair for hours getting that makeup on mm-hmm. I, beyond what he already has to do as data and lore. Yeah. For makeup. Uh, I wonder if they did it on different days. Like he'd play one character, and then like you're gonna play Doctor Soon, and then you're gonna play Data, and then you're gonna play Lore. I'd I, be curious to see how exactly they broke it up for him. And then all the body doubles that had to put on these costumes. Yeah. Um. They did. This episode was nominated for an Emmy for the the makeup for Doctor Soon. Um, it was really. Yeah, they didn't win, but uh, Michael Westmore, who was. A lot of the Emmy Star Trek did get, whereas a lot of the technical stuff and Michael Westmore, he did like all the stuff for Next Gen and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise. That was all basically him and his team during that whole time. And he did get a few Emmys over the course of it all, just for all the all the makeup they did over the years. Um, didn't get it this time, but I think Brent Spiner talks about how he didn't know what soon was going to be until he had the makeup on. He was like. I got it. I know who this character is now. Um, yeah. No, I mean, we so we meet Doctor Soong in this one. What's the feeling on? You know, they kind of when we saw in Data Lore, like you know, they talk about him and he's kind of a mysterious figure. And they talk about like, yeah, everyone thinks he's dead, but no one really knows what's happened to this guy. And here he is, still alive. Um, now that we get to see him, what's what's the thought and feeling on? Doctor Soon, not the the villainous character that be, he becomes mm-hmm. in, in later Star Trek verse. Uh, other Soongs, yeah. He <laughs> seems Soongs. like this this sweet old guy that wants to do right by his kids before he dies. You know, like make some kind of penance. But I feel like you can still see a bit of the shadow of like <clears throat> that Doctor Soon sort of dark side. It, but it's it's not quite as prominent, but especially when he's talking about like why he did it. Mm. Oh you know, yeah. You're like when he's talking to Data, and Data's like, "Why did you make me?" And he's like, 
compares him. He literally compares himself to Michelangelo. Right. Oh, yeah. Which, granted, especially in in the Star Trek universe, he is a genius. He's the only one who's ever achieved yeah, anything. Not I unjustified, did. yeah. But but you but <laughs> it's not unjustified, but it is egotistical. Oh yeah, very narcissistic for sure. And been, they all look like him. They, yeah, they look like him. <laughs> just, you know, like oh that face. I've always loved that. I face. always love that face. <laughs> really, really, Doc? That's the face you love. Um, I, uh, 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 earlier in development, they were going to cast an actor, a different actor to play it. And they were looking at, I think some like Asian actors since like Dr. Soong kind of, it sounds like, you know, it's going to be an Asian person, but, um, I think it was Brent Spiner who was like, I think I should play him. And then they're like, yeah, that actually would be. That would be interesting, and then, and I don't think Lore was in the original draft, but then they needed something to spice it up, and like, what if you brought Lore in? And then they're like, okay, yeah, you definitely have to play all the parts, because then it's going to make it like this can't-miss hour of television. Um, do you think the episode benefits from him playing the part of Soong? Yeah, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, Aside from the more, like, the gimmicky aspect? It does... For, for me, it requires putting aside a bit of that. Like, uh, it is a little gimmicky, but yeah, sure. he's so talented. It's like, okay, why not? Right? You get to watch Brent Spiner play with his character work and and all his amazing acting abilities. Mm. And so you go with it. Inherently, there's there there's nothing necessarily wrong with going with a gimmick if you pull it off. Yeah. Mm. It's only when you don't pull it off and people are like, ugh. Gimmick boop. <laughs> mm. But if you can pull it off, which I feel like this episode absolutely pulled it off. Yeah, this is another one of those moments where you're like, again, Brent Spiner did not get nominated for a single Emmy on this show. and we, He didn't? No. Jeez. Subspace robbery. Uh, yeah, yeah. Patrick may have, but you know, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't think anyone got nominated for acting in this show. And you're like, certainly Patrick and Brent should have gotten at least a, a something. I mean, you see what he's doing in this episode of like, look, a lot of other actors in early nineties television is n- are not being asked to pull this kind of crap off. Um, just playing data is a challenge in of itself. Like you think it'd be, it'd be easy to play no emotions. It's like, that's actually the, it's the opposite. That's incredibly yeah. difficult to play yeah. and make it interesting. Yeah. And like matching your movements constantly in this, like, in a, in, you know, in a robotic way, which is always why it's so fun to see him when Lord does show up mm. because he's, he feels so much more human, even in the way that he walks. He's he very different. Himself, very yeah. different. But, but yeah, an Android, it's like he has to play two different androids um, and they feel like completely different people. Lord's kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> You really see just how fucking nuts he is in this he's, one. Like he's, he just spent two years floating in space. <laughs> That's true. That's true. After it, like after he, having been disassembled, yeah. for who knows how long. Previous trauma aside, like that alone would drive anybody space bonkers. Yeah. Which you know was kind of interesting. The Doctor Soon line when when he tells Data, he's like, you know, he's like maybe you'll maybe with this chip you'll have a better opportunity to understand lore and he tells data like go easy on him or forgive him because 
he wasn't given the same chances that we were. Like mm. he he has every right to be mad. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a point. Like we talked about this in data lore, and it's like, yeah, lore does kind of. I mean, we don't actually see the stuff in the colony and what exactly happened. You know, and of course, not to justify, I'm like, well, I'm calling a crystalline entity to vape the planet and kill everyone. Like, clearly, d- d- nothing justifies that. But it does. They they do strongly insinuate that like lore gets a bad deal, is dealt a really bad hand, and it makes sense why he's off his off his fucking rocker. Um, it, it's not just the evil AI thing. It's very human. Mm. Like he's he's mad, right? Furious. He's, he's- He's got it's it it comes from wrath as opposed to like all humans must be destroyed because they are illogical illogical. He's like, no, all all humans should be fucking destroyed because fuck y'all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, look a, at what you did to me. It's like a study in in trauma to the developmental stages of someone's life. Mm. Right. Mm. And the consequences of that. Yeah, totally. It's very human. It's not like if they weren't androids all the motivations would be a hundred percent completely intact. Like that, the fact that they are just also androids is just, um, it has really nothing to do with like another stuff where it's like, I am AI and I must do this. It's like, it's all very human in its motivations, which is also very interesting. Um, it's not just, it's not just because he's AI that he's evil. It's the human part of him. That <laughs> makes him twisted, and his anger isn't necessarily like generalized. It's not. It's not like every human being. It's like he attacked the villagers because the villagers were afraid of him and rejected him, and he attacked Soong for everything that Soong did to him. He attacked Data because he was jealous of him. Uh, he he did try to kill everybody on the Enterprise, um, probably to. I mean, I th- I feel like that was as a way of getting back at data mm-hmm. really it was less about it was more like fuck you data right i think it's that was jealousy. also out of jealousy too like look at all the things that data had and accomplished in his life compared to lore's mm-hmm. so yeah. he just wanted to wipe that clean just get rid of it it's fucked oh, that's, up. A, that's that's a really good point i mean even here it's like soon it's like i made this emotion chip for data and he's like oh f- uh, fuck no like he takes that away from data. It's like data does not get that. I get that. Like, fuck you. He says like, you don't, you owe me like fuck data. Like you owe me. It's very personal. Um, that it's just, uh, it's, uh, it very much is a jealous hatred. Um, it's more of not so much data as it is what he didn't get that he sees data get. Yeah. Well, and you know, after he like steals it and tricks Dr. Soong and like having it put into him, I mean, lore was always kind of crazy, but this episode prior to him getting the chip, it does do a really good job of representing his resentment and his anger and, and kind of where it's coming from. Not that it's necessarily justifiable in the things that he's done, but you, but showing you this is why he's angry and in a way that makes sense that you can in certain ways empathize with um you can you know not empathizing with his actions but you can relate yeah it's like the favorite son thing yeah yeah and and it it does make data or not data i'm sorry it makes lore feel more grounded as a character as opposed to just being 
the emotional crazy AI that w- was more portrayed in, in his original episode. But after he gets the chip, after he steals the chip and gets it in, it's like, no, he's gone full cuckoo banana pants. Full now. Joker. <laughs> he is literally insane now. Singing songs and, <laughs> like, oh, thank like, you, baby. Oh, I'm just going to kill you because I'm just going to have so much fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that wow. moment where he's just like, I don't know what it's doing, but it's doing something. Yeah. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh no. no. <laughs> he was already a little off his rocker, but understandable. And now he's just full blown crazy. You weren't, you know, you don't understand. Like, it's not because I don't want to give it to you. It's like, you can't have it. It's not made for you. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, it feels good. <laughs> yeah. Super oh, identical, no. right? So. <laughs> um, yeah, very. Very twisted and freaky. Uh, I think you're right, though, uh, Mark. It does this, like, like I think one of our criticisms of, of data lore was that they just instantly go into evil villain mm-hmm. territory, and I mean, date uh, lore is essentially a villain, you know. Again, in this episode, but all the like the sit down talk scenes really help to flesh out. Okay, yeah. Like, it's not just I'm evil. Like, there are real motivations and feelings behind this that, like, I get it. I mean, horrible, but I get it. Um, on that note, uh, I mean, this is a follow-up to Data Lore. How, how does this work, do you think, as a follow-up to Data Lore? As a, as a sequel to it, I think it's actually great. Yeah. Um, personally. Um, mostly because it's... Because it does what we were just talking about as far as like it changes the way that you view lore, at least for a minute, but um, by grounding his character, giving him motivation, uh, giving a more in-depth look as to why he is the way that he is. And especially with Data as well, because... One of my favorite moments throughout the whole episode is when Dr. Soon tells Data, he's like, you should not think of yourself as less perfect than Lore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this whole, like, why would you even think that? And it's because it's what Lore told him in, in Data Lore. And Data repeats that line, I think, three times mm-hmm. of this, like, it's it's something that he didn't consider at all. And as his electronic brain is processing that information. It's like it can't process it. It's on like the first blowing time. his mind. It's like, I am not less perfect than lore. And he s- repeats it again and again. And and so there's this closure aspect to it as well of like, and, and growth for data that comes from it. Um, whereas the original episode, Data Lore, it kind of ends and you're like, ooh, like, I don't know. It's uh, Lore kind of pulls the same shenanigans. Mm. Yeah, training places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real though. Yep. It that happens again. Like happens gotcha. again. Good old, good old shenanigans. Take the clothes. Pretend to be data. The switcheroo. So you know, for a for an individual who is so jealous of his brother, he sure does like to imitate him to get what he wants. Mm. It's like he he temporarily steals all of the trust that data mm-hmm. accumulates with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, so I think it was a great, great sequel to that episode yeah i agree i definitely think this is the better effort um i think we also in the first episode talked about how we wish they had done more to flesh out lore and like build him 
and then like yeah if we had seen this some of this stuff and data lore and then you see like the the really the villain turn it would have made that much that i think that much more stronger and you they but i think they make up for it in this one where they okay time out here's Here's what's here's up with what's up with lore. Well, and what they did a really good job of in this particular episode is in data lore, they do set up a lot of Laura's state of mind. You can tell that he is jealous, he's vindictive um, in data lore. That does come across, of course, you know, why he's this way. The explanation is a little meh. In this episode, they don't take away from any of that. The jealousy, the vindictiveness, it is all still there. And yet they they grounded it and gave it uh, weight behind it. So without taking away from the original episode and just expanding on the good ideas that were in it that they liked about that original episode, but then really giving us like a reason to, to actually even feel for lore. Wonderful job. Really good writing. You know, it's interesting, like, so the episode before this was literally family, and um, we kind of talked about how there was, like, three different family storylines going on there, the bigger one with Picard, and then there was Worf, and then there was also Wesley, all had, and the common thread between them all was, like, support, and how family are the people who support you. Uh, episode called Brothers, they really look at, like, yeah, the the... You know, your family is going to have, there's going to be strong feelings involved with family. And this one gets into like, there are darker aspects. Like some of these charged feelings can lead to some really nasty, like hateful stuff. You know, and there are stories of, you know, family members, brothers who will have huge falling outs and never talk to each other again. Um, it's interesting how in the first episode, we get much more of the positive. I'm always here for you. And this one, we get more of like, you know, even like there's the tragedy with Dr. Soong. It's like he wants, he clearly wants what's best with, um, for both, both of his kids, but he's blinded by his own like short sightedness as to like, he just can't quite accept. It's like, Lore isn't, I think he even says like, Lore, you know, you shouldn't think of your brother as this evil maniacal, even though he knows Lore basically destroyed everyone on the colony. He still is like, nah, you just got to give your brother a chance. Yeah. And it's like, but then he's still playing the favorite card with there's this narcissist, like, like cause he is a narcissist and he's the, his ego blinds him to what's right there. And, and still he, he clearly wants what's best for his kids, but his own ego blinds him and causes even more tragedy yeah. and sadness for this horrible, sad family. Yeah. Well, and you know, even during that initial confrontation after they after Laura shows up and and they wake him back up um and he tells Dr. Soong he's like you could have fixed me you could have fixed me and you just didn't take the time and Dr. Soong's like well the next logical step was to build data and then I was going to get back to fixing you but even after you find out Dr. Soong ran away from the planet before the crystalline entity came and destroyed and killed everybody he could have always gone back and got date uh, and got lore and fixed him. Never did. And he never did. Mm-hmm. And he does appear to be remorseful, remorseful over that. Yeah. But it still is like it doesn't change the fact that it's you know lore's right. You know, and it at least lore's anger towards Doctor Soong in you know in that moment does feel justified. Like this is why I'm mad at you, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think anybody would be, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. 
It speaks to parenting too, of course. Yeah. 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 We should also briefly talk about the B plot with the two brothers on the ship. How do we feel like that plays against everything else that's going on? It was okay. I mean, it was there. It gave the show a reason to get back to the ship, I guess, at the end of the day. The ticking clock. Yeah. For the kid to save him, yeah. We gotta, he only has 36 hours tops or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, I just didn't necessarily care about the kids. Maybe that's just me. Uh, the other stuff is clearly much more, you get much more invested in the data, yeah. the soon stuff. So every time they cut away from it, you're like, yeah, but get back to the... <laughs> Well, and I mean, we were talking about gimmicks earlier and, and while it is the B plot, the gimmick of it was like, and here's the juxtaposition parallel of two human brothers who just had this like, and I don't think it necessarily pays off at the end. It, it just kind of gets to the end and they're playing with dinosaurs and you're like, yeah. yeah. They were a little too young to actually deliver like a, a performance on the B plot. Yeah. And it, it kind of comes across, it, it, it's a nice moment at the end, but it's all, it also comes across as like an after school special. They're brothers, Data. Brothers forgive. And it's like, well, you don't have to come out and say it. Like, <laughs> what if your brother hits your kill switch twice <laughs> and kills your father? Brothers forgive. Steals your emotion chip and kills your father. Kills an entire having... colony of people. Brothers forgive. Puts Data. your entire ship in danger and crew and your friends. Yeah. Just as Dr. Crusher's like skin is melting away from like lore vaping the crew. Brothers forgive. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently they're on the ship with out their parents why yeah like <laughs> the, the crew just signed off on this too like we have strict par- instructions what were those rules boys i don't know uh, and, and it once again s- rikers taking care of the kids for some reason yeah. and it, it made it sound like uh <laughs> that the parents were like going on vacation they're on sabbatical the kids will stay why it only makes sense to have kids on the enterprise if they're Parents are there. Are you on sabbatical <laughs> from parenthood, dude? That's not a thing. sabbatical from parenthood. Oh, these <laughs> little shits. Oh, this is not a boarding school. <laughs> it does a starship. Make, does it not make sense? Captain, we're under fire. Turn the ship towards where those boys' chambers are. <laughs> <laughs> Women and children first. Lower shields. <laughs> That's not what that means, Captain. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that I don't want. I don't want to say it brings the episode down, but I can't help but wonder if they didn't have that stuff. I'm like, well, we need something to cut away from. It's like just them on the Enterprise trying to solve the problem. I think is 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 enough reason to cut back to them. You don't also have to have the stuff with the brothers because I can't just help but wonder. Like they could have done even more stuff with lore and like flesh, like maybe like a scene without Doctor Soong and we could see a one on one with Data and lore. You know, I can't. I just can't help but wonder what else we could have seen to help mm. even flesh that stuff even more. Modern Trek probably would have started with like a lore flashback mm. and left us wondering, like, is this Data? Who was that? And then you, like, at the end when you find out everybody is about to die from the entity. Mm. Oh, lore! Like, oh, it's lore! It's a mm. lore thing! Oh my god! Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's exactly what they would do. The flashback. Um. This episode was written by executive producer Rick Berman. Um, This was his first writing credit on Star Trek. He had been producing, but he hadn't written anything yet. Um, And generally speaking, Berman is much more of a producer than a writer. Um, 
And as the franchise goes on, Berman gets a lot more criticism from the fan base for his creative decisions. But as his, I think this is a good, this is a pretty good strong effort from him. For for a debut? Yeah. Not really a writer, like a producer, like I'm going to write one. I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty fucking solid. Go ahead. Um, any, any final thoughts on brothers? The continuity with the contact lenses between data and lore must mm. have been so aggravating. Uh, I don't mean... <laughs> yeah. Especially the switcheroo moment. Because mm. like, mm. his eyes are normal in that scene when he's putting the chip in his. It looks like data. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Which makes that bigger pupil a choice on Lore's part. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Um, I mean, continuity as a whole, they do a really good job and just. They, it would have been so easy for them to have screwed the pooch on all of this, and they don't uh, like f- seamless. I've seen they have a, I mean, like Witcher is. There's so many throughout all the seasons. There's one like <laughs> in a wider shot, Geralt will have perfect face, and then in the close-up shot, he has all kinds of like cuts and bruises. Yeah. Like, <laughs> battle over his face. Like, it's so bad. Sometimes. Fire the dramaturge. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, one of the things I notice in this, I've seen this episode a whole bunch of times. Um, and this is it's just more, it's more of a small thing, but I was paying more attention to Dr. Soong and Brent Spiner's acting choices. And it's like, he is constantly walking around, touching stuff. There's like a scene where he's like, he's walking over to a plant. And it's like, I don't know, to like, you think, you're not even thinking about it. It's like a background action because he's talking to Data walks over a plant and you just probably in the back of your head, you're like, Oh, he's going to go water it. Take care of it. All he does is just kind of touch. He's like, well, oh, that's lovely. And just, he, and he just walks away. And then I'm like, I had never caught I'm like, he has like a dinosaur diorama. And then there's actually a giant T-Rex skull in there too. It's yeah. like, he's got this weird dinosaur thing that I never really picked up on. And you see him like pick up the, the yeah. little toys. And he, so- puts, he puts one of the dinosaur toys inside the in dinosaur the fossils mouth. <laughs> Like I, which I thought was so funny. And then takes and, it, puts it in the diorama, and, and then I, and then Data I think finds it, or either Data or Laura finds the one in the mouth and like picks it up at some point. It might have been Lore, I can't remember, but. Well, Mark, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure and a delight to have you on. Thank you for having me. That was a great episode. Great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, and doubtless, I will be curious to hear more of your thoughts as you continue your own Next Generation. Oh. You'll hear my thoughts. I know. Yes, we will have you. We will definitely have you back on the show. Oh, Mark, I hope so. It's always a pleasure and a delight. Yay, we're brothers. Brothers. Oh, brothers. Oh, my God. Yeah, See, bro- brothers do forgive each other. <laughs> <laughs> mean songs that they sing before starting the episode. Because he was a little high. <laughs> I had for I had almost forgotten. You forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> you forgive me, man. Yeah. Forgive oh me. Like Star Trek said, brothers forgive. What do you mean it forgive? forgive? It's our new theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet Jeebus. Um well, all right everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um Next week, we are going to be uh, pushing on into more season four of TNG. Um, We are going to be watching Remember Me. Um, This is going to be 
our first Dr. Crusher-centric episode. We haven't really watched one focused on her yet, and this one is definitely a... It's the Dr. Crusher hour. Oh, is this the Pocket Universe episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this episode. Yes. It's one of my faves. <laughs> so true. She's so... It, 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 she is so good. It's, it's the episode I always point to. I'm like... She is so much better a lot of times than the stuff they are usually giving her. When they give her stuff, it's like, she's awesome. And Crusher is awesome. Um, yeah, so um excited to be watching, um, getting a little look at Dr. Crusher. Um, and our good friend Scott Tuckfield is going to be coming back on the show. Naturally. Um, to come talk about Remember Me uh, with us. Always a um, delight when he is here as well. Um, all right. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Jaren. Um, thank, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Jaren. <laughs> thank you, Mark. Thank you, thank you, Aaron. Good night, Jim Bob. <laughs> Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Um, Billy Joel. I don't know. I I always hear that scene where they're like, "Good night," and I don't know all their names, oh, so yeah. I make up. Yeah. Good night, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> if it seems woman to town, rest roll. <laughs> Good night, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night Thank for you real. for listening. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.